With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres improved their record to 5-3 and three on the season as they took down the Chicago Blackhawks 4-3 to three in overtime on Saturday night. Tage Thompson and Victor Olofsson had two goals apiece with Olofsson having the game winner on the power play in overtime. Ilya Lubushkin was a late scratch in this game, which is, again, just furthering the Sabres' injury woes on their blue line. Taylor, your thoughts on the game, and what were some of your main takeaways? Well, for starters, it ruled. Big win. Nice to see them fight back from being down multiple times. Cool overtime goal. Uh, two very impressive goals by Tage. So nice to see Tage really finding his rhythm again. But I think if that were most teams in the league, it's probably a loss because the blue line is really decimated. And now it's to the point, like I, I would have told you before the year, like, oh, they have cool blue line depth this year, which they haven't had in forever. But now we're to the point where they already have to play Cal Clegg. And it's like, oh, yikes. That's, yeah. that's not fun. And th- there's really nothing you can do about that. I mean, that... Almost any team in the league, you take away three starters on the blue line, it's it's bad. And I think my my biggest takeaway from this recent stretch is that Samuelson is more valuable than maybe we realized at first. I think he's it, his absence has uh, been incredibly noticeable. If anything, it shows that in hockey, you really don't fully understand the value of a guy until you don't you, you're not able to you know plug him into the lineup every night and. It's been glaring, and now we're at the point now that we're potentially down three defensemen, the six that we had started the year with. Samuelson being out for a couple of weeks now. Yoki Haru was week to week, and then, as we said before, Labushkin was a late scratch before this game. And so it's not good on the blue line right now, and it's almost ironic because it's the opposite happening on among the forward group right now where they have too many guys and – there's a lot of questions about Granado's choices in terms of what the rotation is looking right like right now and who should be sitting out. Yes. Well, we should probably mention that Riley Shane was waived this morning, I believe it was. Correct. Which 
something like that had to happen eventually. It's almost like they were planning for injuries in the, in the forward group because they have entirely too many guys, as we've said too many times now. So yeah, you have to do that. And if Shane clears and that's great, I don't know. I mean, I have, he's the kind of guy that could really go either way. Teams aren't going to be chomping at the bit to claim Riley Shane, but he's someone that's good enough to get claimed. If like Arizona wants him or whoever. So we'll see how that works out. That'll that we won't know until after this is posted. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, beyond that, that's it's led to some problems because it's kind of not clear who should be playing where uh, throughout the forward group. It just feels wrong to be sitting Asplund. hundred percent. Your best defensive forward. And I get, I guess, the thought process of wanting to have it be a rotating thing among the young guys, but you have to have some semblance of a system in place where the guys who night in and night out consistently show you that they belong on the ice are are to be rewarded for that. And it feels like with Asplin sitting, that's not necessarily the case. The game before he had began to sit. So whatever it was three games ago, there were a couple of blunders there, but again, he's proven himself to be an every night player in the NHL. His defensive numbers speak for themselves and his ability to elevate the line mates that he plays with and the cover for some of those defensive deficiencies that they have are it's really invaluable because there's not many guys among the forward group who have that trait as well. True. I think when they sat Krebs earlier, you don't love to sit Krebs. Like ideally you'd have Krebs in the lineup, but I think there's something to be said about telling a young guy like that. That's not playing well. Like, yeah, you have to earn your spot. There's a lot of guys here. Mm-hmm. I don't really see the value at all. The sitting ass when someone that really has earned their spot. And what do you, what message are you sending by sitting him? Everyone knows he's doing what he's supposed to do. And he's not scoring, but and hopefully you'd like to see him score more, but he's doing the bare minimum where someone like Krebs really isn't doing too much yet. I mean, we'll see with Krebs. I'm still hoping he can be a guy, right? But yeah, I just, I don't know. And then that, but that, that leads you to this point. You can't sit Krebs 25 nights in a row. He's not like, I was going to say John Hayden, but I guess John Hayden actually played last year. He's not a guy like that though. You can right. just sit all the time. You're trying to actually make it work. But then that leads to the question of who do you sit? Hennis has been like pretty solid. I wouldn't be sitting Hennis I wouldn't be sitting Gergensen's. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I they really needed to make a move. They did. I mean, and they still do. You know, well, and that's really the thing. I think that we have to identify too when it comes to making a move is what guys we actually feel like are are going to be worth keeping around in terms of who is going to give you, I guess, the most consistent and the most valuable production on the ice with what they're good at and. It was good to see Middlestat had uh, an improved game against Chicago, but as we had talked about before, his two prior games to that were pretty ugly. The two prior games before that were pretty good. And so it just seems like it's going to be this like seesaw back and forth with him where we got to ask ourselves, you know, how much longer are we going to continue doing this with him? And how much longer is Kevin Adams going to continue to allow this? Because while these guys are young and I don't think it's necessarily, I I wouldn't use the word detrimental to their development or anything like that, but in a perfect world, you don't want some of these guys sitting out every night. And it feels like the way to remedy that is to again, make a move among the forward group. And it feels like the two names that have been the case since last year. And it still feels like it's the case now are are Middlestat and Olofsson. And Olofsson being the one mainly too, because I think with his very specialized skill set and potential for offensive production due to his shooting talent, he's probably going to net you the most value back in return. 
So it just begs the question now of when will they make the move? Will they, I guess, but like, what can you realistically go out and get with that? You know, as we're talking about, oh, well, maybe you make a, make a, make a move uh, for a defenseman to get back some D depth there with, you know, with NHL blue liners. And we just saw Ethan bear get traded for a fifth round pick, which is a, a young guy who is a pretty decent esteem and somebody that I think the conversation before was, Oh, would, would we give up like a second or a third for him? At least is what I would saw people talking about. And it's like, well, when it comes to a fifth, I mean, that's an easy asset to part with when it comes to potential some semi-productive NHL body there, but Middlestad and Olofsson it's different. I mean, you're looking at, again, a guy in Olofsson who has the potential to be uh, a perennial 20 goal scorer due to that shooting talent. He can be a very lethal asset on a power play to a, a real competitive team, like right now, right off the bat. And Middlestat, again, it depends on what version of the guy you're going to get in a night-to-night basis. But as we know, people can overvalue former first-round picks, top 10 picks, that, that that can get overvalued, and his production isn't Alex Nylander levels of bad where there, there's just, like, nothing there. I mean, we have a, a couple of years of him playing at roughly, like, a 40-point pace, and again, maybe you can, can get a GM from another team to think of it as, like, a reclamation project, and you're able to bring in this guy, and he needs just a, a change of pace or a change of scenery to, to turn things around, but it's got to feel like something's coming, right? And and even the fact that Hina Strohs is playing well at the trade deadline, are, are we really going to do this again where we're not going to move him if we have people who are interested in him and you can get an asset back in return? Because it, it becomes even more evident next year of like, where does he fit into the mix? You're talking about Hina Strohs in this case, right? Yeah, right, well, at yeah. the end there, yes. But just in general, like something's going to have to give sooner or later at least. Yeah, I, with him, yeah. If, if people are interested at the deadline this year, you have to do it. I don't care if it's like a fourth round pick. You don't straight up don't have room for him next year. You're going to want Savoy in the lineup next year, almost certainly. I would expect, and you well, never know honest, who else. But but that's the thing we don't even know. And you would have to think if they're trying to. I I just don't think that the mindset next year can be the same as it has been last year and even this year to an extent this year obviously they're placing more of an uh, an emphasis or a priority whatever you want to call it on winning but if you want to do that you're gonna have to upgrade your top nine and heinous rose is playing in the top nine right now and you're going to want to get somebody who's going to give you more than Vinny heinous rose can give you it, you know to take one of those spots because he's the most expendable of the bunch when you look at the other names there and again, you want to get better next year. You got to make a bigger upgrade than than having just bringing back Hina Stroza in the lineup there. Like you want to go out and get a legitimate top six guy so that it gives you the flexibility to move a guy who maybe is playing a lineup than they really should be right now so that it can even out your roster a little bit more and you get more productivity out of some of those guys who are playing again, higher up. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, they, they just, there has to be some kind of clearing going on here. It's Olafson who had a good game last night. Uh, middle stat these are guys that like you said they'll draw interest someone will be interested and give you something whether it's a future asset mm-hmm. maybe another defensive asset a, a goalie um Ooh. which is interesting oh, or maybe just draft picks whatever take that keep keep the ball rolling on that like you you always need young guys to fill out the lineup especially if what we hope happens comes true which is this ends up being a good team with a lot of guys worth paying you're gonna have to fill out the back end of your roster with young guys probably in that case, it's good to have a lot of assets uh, in the form of draft picks. So either way, yeah, it, in th- this year's deadline, if someone's interested in Hannah Stroza, he's got to go. I mean, this, of course, is 
the situation that we think is probably going to happen where goaltending comes back to earth and the Sabres are roughly an 80 to 85 point team, good improvement, but they won't be, you know, really in playoff contention. It's not like you, I don't even know who else you would sell on the team. I think it might just be Henestroza off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have to think that by the trade deadline, two of the three, I mean, I guess I, it's not a, a necessity for training or for trading, uh, Vic or, or Olafson, and by necessity, I mean you have RFA rates going into this offseason. But again, your value for Olafson is probably going to be higher if you're trading him at a time where he has a year and a half left and can help a team down an additional playoff stretch rather than selling him in the offseason and when he only has one year left uh, before his deal is up. So, would you say it's probably fair to assume that two of the three of Henestroza, Olafson, and Middlestat will be gone by the trade deadline at the time of that concluding? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to say yes. Should they be, then, I guess, I'll turn Should, yes. Yeah, you have to make a decision. Well, it doesn't even – I guess if you want it to be someone else and there's an idea and there's a potential move there, sure. But those are just the obvious ones. I think Henestroza, like, gets sold as a rental for whatever. But, yeah, they should be working on a trade of some kind, and those are the obvious guys to do that. You can't go into next season with like 15 forwards. And luckily they, you know, they just stuck Bjork in Rochester. You know, we were talking about that for a while. I think we, I don't, I don't know if that actually came up as a possibility, but good enough move. I mean, no one was picking up when you waved him. So whatever, you might as well be solid in Rochester, which is my understanding. They've been pretty good this year, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. With the other two, I don't really know what you say about middle stats so far. I got this year. Olsen. I don't know. He's scoring. I mean, scoring at least that's good for, for trade bait. Exactly. Uh, That's what it comes down to. Uh, You know, uh, this is what you're going to be selling him on being good at. You can't just say like, Oh, this is a a piece for, for forward depth. It's like, yeah, maybe it's a depth move because he's not like a centerpiece kind of guy, but it's making a move for a guy that's going to do a very specific and very important thing for a team. You know, it's not like you're going after somebody for like their two way prowess or something like that. And I feel like just historically speaking, guys who are pure goal scorers like that, assuming that they're playing at a good pace, can net a pretty good return. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I mean, he's got six goals in eight games right now. Yeah. So, and that's what he does. 20 by the trade deadline. And it's like, are you really not going to move him then? If you can, what are we talking about then for a return? You know, like stranger things have happened that, a guy like guys who are lesser than Victor Olofsson, if he's playing, if he has 20 goals by the deadline, that's a first round pick you could be talking about coming back potentially. And it's like, are you really not going to do that because you want to get a couple of extra wins at the end of the year or something like that? You know, like sell them off. It's And that's not even tanking either. It's just proper asset evaluation. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. Evaluation, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, while we're talking about, kind of hot stove stuff uh, unrelated thing did you see this uh barry trotz interview no what happened so he's unemployed as of now mm-hmm. uh he I, I don't know what uh outlet it was i think it was one of the canadian outlets it was basically asked if he's ready to go back into coaching and he was like uh maybe i consider coaching uh i'd like it to be an original six team already weird i'm gonna do my wind horse real quick interesting Original six team. That's interesting because that's like a fifth of the league. So you cut out most, you're like 80% of the teams. You're not, yeah. you just took them out of consideration and said, he's not ready yet, but he might be ready by early December. 
not next season, early December. Interesting. So you think that somebody he's he's got a pulse on a team that is maybe looking at firing their coach among the mm. teams? Well, Brendan, let's take a, a look real quick here let's at the original six. It. Boston, no. Montreal, Chicago, Detroit, all just hired new coaches yep. with, within the past nine months uh-huh. or so, whenever Martin saying that we went to Montreal. The Rangers just went to the conference final, and they've been kind of okay, not great to start this year, but they just went to the conference final. It's New York, too. They're, the coach is always going to be under fire if they're not playing really, really well. Yeah, but I think he's safe for now. I agree. Okay. Is there another original six team? We are missing one. Hmm. There's no way. I don't know if they're interested, but that sounds like he's interested. Right? I mean, yeah, but like... Oh. If they were going to fire him, Sheldon Keefe, that is, I feel like you would do it after the playoffs last year. It's a little bit weird to me. But how weird is it that Barry Trotz is like, I'm not ready to coach right now, but I might be ready in early December. And also, oh, I only want to work man. with one of these six teams. That is interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, again, we're talking about sample size here. Toronto is... Uh, only one point ahead of Ottawa for last in in the division. Yeah. And they're a point behind Montreal. I mean, it's early. You know, they're they're four, four, and one. Come on. Can you imagine? That's really interesting. When did this happen? You said over the weekend? Uh I believe it was last week he said that. Let me see if I could find where it was. Get out. There's no way, Taylor. You re- ah, I'm looking at know. NHL. What the hell is this? NHL.com is, oh, it can't even, oh, it's Sportsnet. It was Sportsnet? I original mean, hey, 16 uh, would intrigue him. He said this five days ago. Would intrigue him. Maybe he is trying to put it out there to Toronto. I'm going to be into early December before I feel comfortable. With coming back is what he exactly said. Mm. I mean, none of the other ones really make sense. You are right. I, about I feel like that. F- four of the six are totally impossible. Yeah. So very interesting. I actually don't want this to happen. I don't either. I would really like to not see Barry Trotz coach the Maple Leafs because he is a confirmed good coach. Yeah, he really is. And I don't want anything good for Toronto. That's right. Hang on to Sheldon. So, um, did, did we talk after the Montreal game, or was that Thursday? That was Thursday. Was Thursday. Not much there. They just got goalied by a bad goalie, which is always yeah. a frustrating game. Yep. Montembeau. Montembeau. Yeah. I mean, it was an ideal. That was a tough one. Like, that's a game that, again, ideally you really do want to win because it is Montreal. Yeah, it's almost like these hockey things that even out sometimes, we probably in all likelihood should have lost to Edmonton. Mm. the way they were playing in the third period, especially. And mm-hmm. so Montreal got them. Whatever. That's a forgettable game. So much happier with the, the effort against Chicago. Now we have another game coming up against the Detroit Red Wings tonight, Monday night. Uh, but before that, before we get to that, which we have a quiz related to that, That's let's awesome. hear a word from our sponsor. I have a fun DraftKings little uh, story too. When we get to the the betting part. Oh, okay. When we get to the the pick part, what you want them to do, bet on? 
All right, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Now, what's this uh, story you got, Brendan? Well, one of our uh, fellow contributors at the Charging Buffalo, DJ Mitchell, who's a, a pal, and he plays actually on my uh, my hockey team that I started up that I, I unsuccessfully tried to get you to join. <laughs> that our other pal from the Charging Buffalo, Jared Halt, is also a part of. But DJ is very, very much so into fantasy sports and betting. He is if you're into betting hockey or you want to get into betting hockey, follow DJ at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. He is on it every single day talking about it. And so prior to the Montreal game, he had put something out there about the odds for Jack Quinn getting a power play point. And so very quickly I went fired up DraftKings, threw down $15 on Quinn getting a power play point on Thursday he ends up getting one, and I made 105 bucks. Wow. Would you recommend someone else do that for tonight's game? I do. Wow, that's on you now. Let's go anyway. <laughs> Let's go. Rasmus Dahlin and Jack Quinn power play point. Wow, okay. All right, if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right, Red Wings tonight, 7 p.m. Um... So my quiz is on not these current Red Wings who are kind of okay. We'll see if they end up being good. It's on the Red Wings of the past who were Red Wings of yesterday. Yeah. They, a lot of good years. They made the playoffs like 25 or six years in a row four Stanley cups, all that stuff, all the fun stuff you remember, but just legend after legend rolled through there, but more so pretty good guy from every era (laughs) rolled through there. Many, many, a pretty good guy. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to give you, there's these, I'm going to, it's every three years, starting in 18, uh, 1989 and going through 2016. I'm okay. going to give you three guys on that team. You tell me which one wasn't actually on that team. Okay, I can do that. I think I can make that happen. All right, so we're starting in 1989. Steve Yeiserman, Adam Oates, Nick Lidstrom, who is not on the 1989 Red Wings. Same again? Steve Eiserman, Adam Oates, Nick Lidstrom. 89? Um, yeah. Adam Oates? No, he was on the team. Wow, interesting. Lidstrom. Okay. He was drafted in 89. Ah, okay. All right, 1992 Red Wings. Paul Coffey, Sergei Fedorov, Gerard Gallant, who is not on the 92 Red Wings. Paul Coffey, Sergei Fedorov, Gerard Gallant. I want to say Fedorov wasn't there yet. Incorrect. It was his rookie yeah. year. Paul Coffey was not Jesus. there yet. All right. So I'm 0 for 2, and I'm a year off with both of my incorrect answers. Good to know. Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't know about Paul Coffey. He might be a couple of years. He was no, a... I mean that like I got that that was, oh, was Fedorov's, Fedorov's rookie year. year, and then Lidstrom got drafted the year I said that. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, uh, 1995, the strike short year where they went to the Stanley Cup. D- Dino Cicerelli, Brendan Shanahan, Keith Primo. I am hopeless with this. Oh, boy. Let's go Shanahan. That is correct. All right. Shanahan was not there yet. Still in Devils? New Jersey, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he would have beat him in the Cup, wouldn't he? Yeah. All right, uh, 1998 Cup winning Red Wings team. You have okay. Larry Murphy, Chris Chelios, and Slava Kozlov. Larry Murphy, Chris Chelios, Slava Kozlov. Chelios. That's correct. He was traded there the next year. Got it. 2001 disappointing team. Lost to the Kings in the first round. Mm. Mike Vernon, Igor Larionov, Pat Verbeek. Verbeek? He was there. What? Mike, Mike Vernon was gone by then. When did Vernon leave? Uh, I don't know, because it would have been right around then, because Osgood was actually the starter in 98. So sometime in the 98 to 01 range, yeah. Vernon left. Wow, okay. All he right. might have actually come back at some point, though. Um, So the 04 slate, another disappointing playoff loss, is Brett Hall, Curtis Joseph, and Chris Osgood. Brett Hall, Curtis Joseph, Chris Osgood. Osgood had that weird brief run with the Islanders, I think. But I don't know if it was then or not, or if it was a couple years after that. Who was it besides Osgood again, you said? I'm sorry. Just so I... It's Brett Hall, Curtis Joseph, and Curtis Osgood. Curtis Chris Os- Chris Osgood, <laughs> Curtis Joseph. Um, let's go Osgood. Was, was that when he left briefly? It was. All right. Girlies are Joseph and Manny Legacy. Wow. Also, Vernon, it looks like Vernon left after they won the cup in 97. Oh, okay. Interesting. Went to San Jose. Also, I didn't know Vernon won the cup with uh, Calgary in 1989. Get out. I didn't even actually realize that either. Huh, good for him. Uh, all right. 07. Conference finals lost to the Ducks. Okay. Pavel Datsuk. Marion Hosa and Robert Lang. Bobby Lang, some would call him. Uh, it's obviously either Hosa or Lang, but I can't remember with Hosa when. This is 07? Yeah. I feel like it's wrong, but is it Robert Lang? Oh, it's Hosa. Yeah. Also was the uh, 08 09 season there. There you go. Okay. 2010. I knew it was wrong. Jesus. <laughs> so we're past the peak here in 2010, but still a lot of good players here. Uh, which of these guys was not on the team? Henrik Zetterberg, Chris Draper, or Mike Madano? 2010, Henrik Zetterberg, Chris Draper, or Mike Madano? Oh, see, you know, I know Madano seems like it's the easy answer. But I want to make sure because that does feel like it's too early. Um, Got to be Madonna, right? It is. Madonna was the next year. Okay. 2013, which weirdly they almost made the conference finals in 2013. Who was not on the team? Nick Lidstrom, Johan Franzen, or Dan Cleary? Franzen or Cleary. 2013? Mm-hmm. Is it Lidstrom? 
It is. There you go. It's okay. Retirement year. All right. The last one we have here is 2016. And we have Dylan Larkin, Brad Richards, and Franz Nielsen. It's got to be Brad Richards, right? Franz Nielsen. What? Yeah. Franz Nielsen showed up the next year. God damn. Okay. Wow. Damn. Not my best. What would I do? Probably like five half. of ten. Yeah, exactly oh. half. Jesus. Tough game though. That was a really hard one. Some of those early ones were just like splitting hairs between who it could have been. Ah. All right. Well, we'll see if the Sabres are able to take down the Red Wings, who are going to be four, two, and two going into that game. I don't think they play Sunday, right? Uh, either way, though. Taking on the Red Wings, divisional matchup should be a, a good test for this Sabres team with another young team in the division that is really trying to prove where they stand among, you know, that next pack after the top top batch at the top of the division. So your thoughts going into the game, Taylor, before we sign off? Time to get a win because you lost to Montreal. So it's not enough to just beat Chicago. It'd be This would be good, a good measuring stick game because you should be in a fairly equal place to the Red Wings. I agree. I like that. Who's going to score a goal? Let's each predict one player that'll score. Skinner. All right. There we go. I will go with Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins. All right. That'd be nice. I agree. I agree. All right, Taylor. By the way, do you know the the New Jersey Devils are up seven to one right now? Seven to one? Yeah. Against the They're kicking Columbus's ass. Yeah. The the fans are chanting, extend Lindy. I agree. (laughs) oh man everybody's saying it everyone's saying it do you have any uh recommendations that you'd like to share uh do i that's a good question i probably should since it's almost halloween and i'm a scary movie guy so even if it's something i haven't watched recently i should probably come up with something real quick okay let's see what have i watched this recent oh you know what solid recommendation good enough it's streaming it's uh pretty scary the new hellraiser remake very different from the original it was somewhat different. The story's different than the original, I should say. Pretty good. Solid. Okay. Not, it's not the original, but hey, what is? Amen to that. I'm going to go with something Star Wars for mine. Shocking, I know. But recently, <laughs> a new miniseries, which I hope we're going to get more seasons of, dropped animated one called Tales of the Jedi. It's in the animation style of like the Clone Wars TV show, which I think I probably re- recommended on here before. Um, but it is like, a new like series that they're doing where there's like, it's like 15 to 18 minute episodes. So pretty quick ones. And it's essentially designed to like fill in the gaps of a lot of major plot points in the star Wars universe, but it's focused on only two characters in this. And the two characters are Ahsoka, which is Anakin's Padawan. And then count Dooku actually, when he is a Jedi still. And so Mm. it's cool because it depicts like, the Count Dooku episodes are are particularly cool because it's him when he's a Jedi. And like the first episode is him training Qui-Gon Jinn when Qui-Gon is probably like a teenager at that point. And then the second episode is Dooku and Mace Windu together before either of them are in the Jedi on the Jedi Council. And then the final one is essentially what happens when Dooku eventually like completely leaves the Jedi and it's revealed that he's working with Palpatine behind the scenes and is becoming a Sith. Um, really, really interesting stuff though. Like the, I mean, the clone wars show was great. And like that animation style, like that, like there's the show, the bad batch, which I think I did a recommendation for, but two, which is like an extension of that, uh, or a spinoff, whatever you want to call it. But 
really interesting. Like if you're a Star Wars fan and you're into that animation, it's it's really, really good. It's not, and I've said, I say this every time, whether it's like been this show or I know I talk about Star Wars Rebels a bit. Uh, it is definitely not a children's show. And if you are somebody that thinks automatically that animation equals that it's a kid show, super incorrect because there is some crazy stuff that goes down in these episodes that really gives a ton of context to not only with Dooku, but also with like Ahsoka and the events that like lead up to order 66 and just really her whole journey uh, upon with her, you know, leaving the Jedi order and everything. So it's really, really well done. Very, very interesting. I hope they do more seasons of it and can focus on more of the Jedi and, and just kind of get into some of those like backstories that provide just really, really rich context to some of these bigger plot points. So highly recommend on Disney plus go check that out. Who is your random Sabres player of the episode? Uh, CJ Smith, CJ Smith. There we go. I will go with Henrik Talinder for mine. Nice. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of straight up Sabres presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, check out all of our fellow shows on both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. And along with those other shows, make sure you're also going and checking us out on that streaming platform, leaving us a nice rating and a review. We would very much appreciate it. On social media, you could find us along with our presenters, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You could find us at Straight Up Sabres. And last but not least, make sure you're checking out the sponsor of this podcast, which is DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.